0: So river, river so valley, valley so rain. Welcome to the Axial Spondylarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your Hello life better. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondor Arthritis Podcast. Hope everyone has had a wonderful week here in Michigan where I live. We just had a really bad snowstorm the other day and I'll tell you what, again, it's not the cold that bothers me so much, but it's that changing of barometric pressure played havoc with me, but that's to be expected. Hope all of you have been having a wonderful week. I did want to point out that I got a review from the website a couple weeks ago, and I meant to read it in last week's episode, so I apologize. There was no name on the review, but it says, Kudos from Sweden. It says, I really enjoy the format, how you mix facts with experiences and use articles, themes, and studies as the basis for each episode. Very informative and full of helpful suggestions. Well, to Kudos from Sweden... Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I've seen the numbers popping up in Sweden, and it's awesome to see as they pop up all around the world. We've just been seeing numbers climb, and it's been a last month for the month of January. It was the most downloads ever that the show saw in a month. So that was awesome. So let's look at this week's episode. I wanted to kind of take a step back and talk about how is axial spondyloarthritis diagnosed? Well, if you've got diagnosis, that's great you're moving forward and hopefully have a treatment plan going. But what about all those people that say, I'm talking to a rheumatologist. I want to go see a rheumatologist. I need to see a rheumatologist. How do I know if I have this? What am I looking at? Well, I'll touch base with a few things you want to look at, a few things you want to consider. As always, the article that I base this on is called How is Axial Spondyloarthritis Diagnosed from my spondylitis team, and I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Again, I'm going to push the issue that I think you should really stop using the term ankylosing spondylitis or non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Those should really only be terms that your doctor uses when they list how you are progressing with this condition. You as a patient, your only concern should be, do I have axial spondyloarthritis or do I not? Keep it simple on yourself because, again, I see many people sitting here saying, I went into my doctor, I told him that I had ankylosing spondylitis, I think, but I'm not showing any issues on the x-rays and so they tell me I don't have ankylosing spondylitis, but how are they ignoring my pain? It's because you're not showing anything on your x-rays that they are able to tell you it's not the ankylosing spondylitis diagnosis. And that's why I really encourage you to use that term axial arthritis with your doctors. That terminology should be the one that all of us should be using going forward as we seek to get treatment plans, seek to get diagnosed, seek to live with this condition. So what are some of the key takeaways we'll be looking at? Well, axial spondyloarthritis, as we know, is usually diagnosed by a combination of symptoms, including imaging, scans, blood tests, family history, negative results on imaging tests, such as x-rays. They don't rule out diagnosis of axial spondyloarthritis. It's just one of the other things that the doctor has to consider as they look where you're at and the evolution of it, I guess, is the best way to say. And then lastly, early diagnosis is so important. Early diagnosis can allow prompt treatment Treatment that can help minimize symptoms, maintain function, and also reduce or stop any future really bad conditions where you end up, for example, like me, where you had multiple hip replacements, disabled, and unable to walk or function in a quote unquote normal fashion. So, the earlier you can get the treatment, the earlier you can get on the right medications, make the right lifestyle changes, because that's really what it's got to be about. It's got to be about not only making the changes for the proper medications, but making the right lifestyle changes, coming off or reducing or eliminating sugars, reducing some of the types of processed foods that are eaten. All of this plays a huge role in how we benefit from letting each of these medications and and lifestyle changes work with each other. They don't work against each other. Both of those can work for each other. You can then hopefully not have such severe long-term consequences from axial spondyloarthritis. So so most people have to deal with back pain at one time or another. We know that. For people living with axial arthritis, back pain can be much more complex than just, say, a pulled muscle or an injury. Since chronic low back pain is such a common symptom of us all, it's not always easy to diagnose the correct cause. I saw a thing that said it was estimated that 6% of people with chronic back pain have axial spondyloarthritis, but with delays in diagnosis that can be up to 10 years, it means that there's possibly a lot more of of us out there with axial arthritis than we even can contemplate and imagine now. So If they start to get faster diagnosis, think about what we could see for research dollars toward helping this condition along and figuring out what's going on. So what are some common symptoms of axial spondyloarthritis? Well, you're going to know that, well, most people, we're not going to have all of these symptoms together. You may have some, or you may have all of them, but it could be pain in the lower back, buttocks, or hips that develops over time. There could be pain, redness, or swelling in other joints, including your toes, heels, rib cage, shoulders, or neck. There could be uveitis or scleritis, which is the inflammation of the eyes, a stiffness in the morning or after rest. Any of these symptoms, especially when they have gone on for three months or more, uh, should be regarded as potential symptoms of axial arthritis. So one of the things we look at is mechanical or inflammatory back pain. Common back pain is mechanical in nature. You know, you overworked yourself, you tweaked a muscle, you fell even. Mechanical pain is temporary and it will improve with rest, and you know, other types of therapies, massage, whichever. Inflammatory back pain, on the other hand, which is one of the primary symptoms of axial spondyloarthritis, is the opposite. It may get better with physical activity. Inflammatory back pain tends to be chronic and it doesn't ease over time. Back pain from an inflammatory cause is usually worse at night and upon waking. That's that where you wake up in the morning, you're stiff, you're sore, you don't want to get out of bed because it just hurts. And things like non anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen or Aleve can help to ease the pain when i started off and was diagnosed with this disease in the early 80s basically a leave was the only medication that they gave me that was it you took a leave or you took nothing they did mix that in on a time from time basis with some muscle relaxers but basically a leave was all there was axial spondyloarthritis though is not the only cause of inflammatory back pain but this is a type of pain that is a hallmark with this condition so it's one or you want to make your doctor very aware of well is there a test for axial spondyloarthritis the simple answer is No, There's not some specific test where they can take it and say, hey, you have this. There's no one test that can definitively diagnose axial arthritis. Anyone who has had pain for more than three months with no clear cause should see a rheumatologist, which is a type of doctor who specializes in inflammation of the bones, joints, and muscles. The back pain may be the result of inflammation and not a mechanical injury, and this is one of those keys to an axial arthritis diagnosis. The first step in determining whether someone has axial arthritis are a medical history physical examination. Your doctor will ask that you bend your joints, may ask you to move in different directions, see what your range of motion is. They may also ask you to move your legs in different directions and they may press on areas of the pelvis, basically the sacroiliac joints, to see if pain results. Your doctor will ask you when and how often you experience symptoms. A family history will also be taken. If a family member has axial spondroarthritis or another autoimmune condition like psoriasis or inflammatory bowel disease, this is considered a risk factor that they want to be aware of. So axial spondyloarthritis cannot be diagnosed with a simple test. There are several tests that may indicate the presence of axial spondyloarthritis. The Assessment of Spondyloarthritis International Society has produced a handbook for diagnosing spondyloarthritis that recommends the following tests. An imaging test. Axial spondyloarthritis may be radiographic, which means it shows in x-rays, or non-radiographic, which means it's not visible in x-rays. Radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, which is also known as ankylosing spondylitis is thought to be a more severe form of the condition where unlike ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial arthritis may not show any signs in x-rays or other imaging scans, but you still get most of the pain that anyone else will have. Imaging scans that show inflammation can help confirm a diagnosis, but negative image scans do not rule out a diagnosis of non-radiographic axial arthritis. Also, you can have x-rays. X-ray imaging is usually one of those first lines that will be, looked at, X-ray imaging can be used to check for inflammatory changes to the sacroiliac joint where the spine meets the hips. These changes are called sacroiliitis. If no changes are visible, the X-ray can be saved to compare to later scans to see if damage has developed from further disease activity. Another item is magnetic resonance imaging, or MRIs, are able to better distinguish early changes in bone and soft tissue than an X-ray can. But they're more expensive, and sometimes insurance, at least using the insurance terminology here in the States, doesn't want to pay for them. MRIs may reveal sacroiliitis in earlier stages before an x-ray shows any of the damage. Another item is computed tomography or CT scans. They are often less expensive than MRI scans and can distinguish fusing of bones better than either the MRI or the x-ray. Radiation exposure can be a concern with CT scans. Another item is positron emission tomography. One study that was done indicated that PET scans could find areas of inflammation that other scans mentioned earlier couldn't, since this is still being researched pet scans may not be part of the typical diagnosis examination process then there's blood tests like imaging tests positive blood test results can provide evidence of inflammation uh, and they may help to support a diagnosis of axial spondyloarthritis. however having negative blood tests for some of these items doesn't mean that you do not have the condition the first and probably the one that most people know the best is looking for the HLA-B27, which is a protein found on white blood cells in 90% of people who have axial spondyloarthritis. Whether you have HLA-B27 is determined by genes. Not all people with ankylosing spondylitis will test positive for HLA-B27. Less than 2% who do test positive will develop ankylosing spondylitis. Less than 2% who do test positive will develop axial spondyloarthritis. Still, the presence of the protein can be a valuable factor that's supports a diagnosis. C-reactive protein levels. C-reactive protein levels measure the amount of inflammation in a body. They're taken by themselves. They're not really indicative of much since inflammation can have many different causes. However, if high CRP levels are accompanied by other signs and symptoms of axial spondyloarthritis, it may make a diagnosis seem more likely. CRP levels are considered raised when they exceed 10 milligrams per liter of blood. Another is ethriocyte sedimentation rates, ESRs, also known as SED rate, ESR is another indication of inflammation in the body. ESR is measured by putting a sample of blood in a tube and seeing how many red blood cells sink to the bottom of the tube in an hour. Any reading over 20 millimeters per hour is abnormal, but readings over 100 may be a stronger sign of an autoimmune condition. Like CRP levels, the ESR test does not indicate the cause of inflammation, but it can point towards a diagnosis when there are other symptoms of axial spondyloarthritis. Less than 70% of people with ankylosing spondylitis a high ESR level when tested. And it's interesting. I know I've been tested for these before as I've gone through with my diagnosis and through these years with the condition. So how do you get to a diagnosis? Well, diagnosing axial spondyloarthritis requires a rheumatologist to consider a person's symptoms and family medical history, as well as the results of imaging scans, blood tests, and everything you've, you know, been looking at. Axial spondyloarthritis arthritis may be diagnosed in cases where someone has experienced chronic back pain for at least three months starting before age 45, and either of the following criteria are present. Imaging scans show sacroiliitis, and there is at least one clinical feature of spondylitis. Or regardless of imaging results, the HLA-B27 is present, and there are at least two two clinical features of axial spondyloarthritis. And then those clinical features could include inflammatory back pain, pain in other joints, enthesitis, dactylitis, uveitis, psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, Crohn's disease, family history of arthritis, NSAIDs effective at managing the symptoms, again positive for the HLA-B27 or elevated CRP levels. Some rheumatologists have concerns about the current diagnostic criteria for axial spondyloarthritis. For instance, some criteria tend to differ between men and women. Women are less likely to show axial spondyloarthritis damage on x-rays and less likely to have high elevated CRP levels. Women are also more likely to experience a delay in axial spondyloarthritis diagnosis than men. There is also an ongoing discussion about how to interpret MRI scans and whether some change is visible on scans may also be present in people without axial spondyloarthritis. So that's a key, again, is that we all have this condition, but we all are not the same with it. And so, so ultimately, your doctor has to be versed in knowing not only what men deal with for axial spondyloarthritis, but also what women deal with, where those overlap and where they differ, if you do receive a diagnosis of axial spondyloarthritis, you are classified as having either non radiographic axial spondyloarthritis arthritis or radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, arthritis, which is also known as ankylosing spondylitis. The difference between the two is fairly simple. Non radiographic axial spondyloarthritis arthritis is diagnosed when there are enough symptoms based on the classification criteria, but there's no visible changes on imaging scans. Radiographic axial arthritis is diagnosed when criteria for axial spinal arthritis are present along with the damage that is visible on scans. So ultimately, radiographic axial arthritis, which is also called ankylosing spondylitis, refers to a later stage of the condition where bones in the spine fuse to one another. Radiographic and non-radiographic are considered to be the same condition in different stages with the non-radiographic form being an early stage. People with non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis can sometimes progress to the radiographic type over time. However, those of either type share the same disease burden, including chronic pain and decreased functioning. So ultimately, receiving a diagnosis of axial spondyloarthritis is a step in the right direction towards understanding and treating our conditions. If you're experiencing symptoms associated with axial spondyloarthritis, you want to let your doctor know the quicker they can get you in, the quicker they can get you diagnosed, the better. You don't want to be one of those poor folks going 10 years to get a diagnosis. The damage that's done is irreversible. And so I'd rather see you on the faster side than the slower side. And that's, again, why I think it's key to use the term axial spondylarthritis. So, again, I know this was a bit of a longer episode. I thank everybody for listening. Please go out to spondypodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter. And if you would, leave a review for the show. It's really appreciated either on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, or just leave one right on spondypodcast.com. I really appreciate it. Love to read your reviews on the shows over the next few weeks. And so take care and have a wonderful week.